Welcome to the Rebel Heart Coaching Podcast, where BSN registered nurse, integrative health practitioner, and board certified life coach, Samantha Shatek, teaches you how to go beyond managing your circumstances and start intentionally creating a life you love using her proven strategies. Well, hey there, party people. Fall is here, and I don't know about you but I am getting my pumpkin spice on. (laughs) I'm so excited for today's show because we're focusing on the topic of permission, but I just know in my heart that we're going to cover a lot more ground than just that with my guest today. My guest today is Chirstie Borer. She's a lifelong learner, and as she says, she's a trier of things. Currently, she's a public relations representative at Media Minefield, but she's had many life and work experiences. She's been an actress, a middle school teacher, a stay-at-home mom, a fitness and dance instructor, a founder of a 501c3 nonprofit, and a speaker. She at one time had a little side business making kick-ass aprons, and she was an advocate for survivors of commercial sexual exploitation, as well as a support group leader, and Chirstie now is a recovering alcoholic celebrating over 20 years of sobriety. Chirstie is currently in the process of healing from her challenging experiences in the evangelical Christianity, and she is the author of her memoir titled My Flawless One. She loves being a mom, creating journals, exploring healing in all forms, hiking and writing, and she loves helping people write and publish their own stories. Most recently, Chirsty discovered that she actually does love herself. And guess what? I love her so much too. So Chirsty and I met in college at St. Cloud State University, and I believe she was a theater major. I was a theater minor. And... We've, we even lived together a couple times after college, and ever since, our paths have kind of weaved in and out from each other, but we've always stayed loosely in contact, and I am just so freaking excited to have Chirsty today. Um, when I was, we were chatting recently and catching up, and we were deciding, because Chirsty has so much that she's done in her life, what a topic would be for this podcast, because um, Chirsty's a, a knowledge she has so much knowledge, so much wisdom. And one of the topics that organically came up for us was this topic of permission. And so I am going to let Chirsty talk to you a little bit about the topic that we decided to come up with. Chirsty, welcome to the show. <laughs> Samantha Shatek, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm so happy to be chatting with you. I love your podcast. I love your authenticity. I love that you have always sought out how to truly live your true authentic best self and that you're giving that back to other people right now. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Tristy. Thank you. So I'm really excited for today. Um, There's so much that I want to cover, but I just kind of want to hear, um, you know, the most relevant thing right now for you that you're going through is um, some of the challenges that you had um, with the evangelical church. And I just want to start there because this relates so strongly to that topic of permission. Yeah. Okay. So 
It is interesting. I think that I jumped into the church world mainly because I was really wanting to heal from some of my own wounds. Um, from I've I've experienced a lot of trauma in my past, and I I. I, I had experienced these like really cool, like spiritual awakening experiences where I really felt this like embrace and love of God. And I knew that the church, the Christian church kind of takes on the identity of that, at least in this country, it takes, it takes on that sort of ownership of God. And I jumped in um, 100%. I let myself completely get submerged in, which in a way I have to say comes back to this idea of permission, to give people permission no matter what, to 100% embrace what it is that they are chasing. And because you're gonna learn from it no matter what. You're gonna discover more about who you are you're going to discover more about what feels right to you. You're going to create new boundaries for yourself. And what I really learned was that I have permission to think for myself. I was really bringing a lot of my wounding in, uh, wanting to learn more about this beautiful essence of love of God and experience healing. And, um, what I discovered in the church, uh, there were, this is just the experience that I had. And there were some beautiful people that I met and had amazing experiences. But what I found most in my experience was that the wounds that we bring, they actually um, categorize it as, um, I would say, demonic. <laughs> I would say that it's something really that, the, the mm -hmm. church cat, the church categorizes our wounds and trauma as demonic. I would say that they want to embrace and they welcome and embrace and want you to experience healing. And a lot of what, where I went, the church that I went to, the experience that I had was that you were to get a cast out. So I did a lot of what we would call deliverance, which is kind of like, you know, like the movie, the exorcist or something, but it's not, so horrible and and ugly it's actually can be a very beautiful experience but what they'll do is call out the wounding that you have and um try to cast it out so the pain that i had was supposed to leave me just get out whereas what i discovered was that part of me just doesn't go away it doesn't just leave and I can't just cast it out. And I can't just say like, in Jesus name, get out. What I discovered was the only way to really heal those parts of myself was actually to embrace with compassion and learn to love with compassion. Those parts of myself include those parts of myself. So it became this journey. Of, Tristy, yeah. can I ask you a question just to... I don't want to interrupt you because I know that you're in a flow, but just for the listeners, and, and I'm kind of curious too, before you entered the church, what what was it that I guess you were seeking or that that was sort of the thing that was drawing you? Because 
I don't really know what your history is with church or with spirituality and religion to the extent that, you know, you know, from your living your life. Um, but just curious. Um, and then I would love to hear more about what you're saying, but just to kind of backtrack, what is it that was propelling you into the church? So I grew up kind of going to church when I was younger. Um, and then we went to like a Lutheran church and I really loved going to church when I was little. And I, when I was about 18, I had this, I had this like crazy mushroom trip experience where I experienced God. And I'm just saying, of course, mushrooms were in Mm. play, but I, but when you feel God, when you experience it, it changes your life. And so, um, I was at the, I was at the movie, the Lion King when it was in the theaters and I took a bunch of mushrooms. And there's that part where Simba's dad is in the clouds and he says, remember who you are. And I felt in that moment, God just opened my heart and step in and show me a new journey, a new story for my life and really experience this embrace of love. And it really transformed me. It totally transformed me. At the time, I started reading the Bible and I was a big Mm. pot smoker then. So I would like totally smoke my weed and like read the Bible. And it was like really rewiring my brain though. I was, it was an experience for me. I tried going to church at that time, but it was weird. Like there's just this, I'm not sure what kind of permission you have to have to start going to certain churches. And maybe I just didn't have great luck where I went, but it just didn't feel good. And um, so I kind of started that my, I had like my own spiritual journey. Like I'm going to try meditate, you know, I'm going to try looking at chakras and I'm going to try, this was like back when it wasn't quite as popular to do those things, but like, I'm going to read tarot cards. I'm going to do whatever I can to try to connect with God. I followed a Hindu guru for several years and what happened was I was again, really like seeking this love, this experience of love. I think that I've, I've always just been looking. And again, like, look, take risk. If something is calling to you, go to it, explore it, go all in because what you're going to find is more of yourself, you know? And so There was an experience that I had then later about um, Jesus and I had another, you know, very powerful connection at that point. But, and I was, and through my like spiritual experience with Jesus, I ended up discovering this um, ministry that was for women who worked in strip clubs. And what they did was they would go into strip clubs and they would bring gifts to the women working there and just show them that they loved them. And I used to work in a strip club when I was 18. That was the same time when I was doing all those mushrooms and uh, had that spiritual experience, which was why it was so profound for me, because for me, uh, working in a strip club, is, it's just not black and white. It's incredibly beautiful and empowering to be able to stand in my own personal sexual experience and sexual ex- expression. But at the same time, I was 18. 
Um, I had no idea how to protect my own boundaries and just the very nature of going into a strip club, people are expecting to break your boundaries in there. And so it was a very, it was both beautiful and traumatic and all of those things inside. So it was, it was very important to me when I had that experience because the mushroom trip with the Lion King, because what it did was it gave me my own identity, which I don't think that I've ever really had. So anyway, uh, when I was much older and I'd become sober and I got married and I had children, at this point, I um, Mm. had this experience with Jesus. I discovered this ministry and I decided that I was going to start a ministry like this. Like I just knew this is what I'm supposed to do. And I contacted the founder and she said, in order to do the training that we offer, you have to have a church covering. I had no idea what a church covering was. <laughs> like, So it just meant that I had to have a church home. So I explored all different, like listened to some different podcasts from different local churches, went to a bunch of different churches, and then I found this one. And I thought that they really spoke truth. And I really liked the way that they were authentically talking about God. And so I went it felt, and again, it was a powerful experience for me. I mean, like right when I went, I felt this move within me, movement within me, and like this definite opening again of love and that connection and really poured myself into it. And that's when I started the nonprofit. And I did that for almost 10 years. I ran that nonprofit and we did outreach in the strip clubs. But during that time, as I said, like, it was like, okay for me to talk about my past and my ministry, as long as I used a victim filter, I could only talk about my past as I was a victim and I've been saved now. And now the things that I did in the past were quote sin. And what it did for me was make me feel like I had to really turn off my sexual self, which you can't do it when you work in a strip club. You can't turn off your emotional connection to your sexual self, even though you try because you're trying to protect yourself from people groping you or whatever. But you can't do it in the church either. You can't turn off who you are and your sexual self, I believe, is really, truly who you are. Well, and thank you so much for sharing about that. It's your story is amazing. And I love that you're so open with your story because I think others who resonate with you could really, you know, heal from just hearing your words. So thank you so much for that. So what I'm hearing is, was there a time where you felt because you couldn't be yourself? Did you, did you feel like you were trying? You said, I think, I think you mentioned when we were chatting that you were trying to be good and trying to fit into the mold, but it just didn't feel right for you. And that it was almost suffocating. Yeah. Well, I think that I've always, so I was raised by a nice mom, single mom. She was an alcoholic. I was always looking for someone to tell me I was good or tell me I was doing things right. And the church has such black and white, right and wrong that I thought I'm going to join this place because they're going to help. They're going to correct me. They're going to fix me. I'm going to learn how to be good. I'm going to learn how to do it right. And really all that did was make me their rules. And this, there's so many contradictory messages. It's just 
I wanted to swear. I won't swear, but like, it's just, I wanted to no, swear. No, you can. Swear, you can totally like, swear on oh, this okay. podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You don't have to now, but you can in the future, just so you know. Right, right. If, it, if I feel moved, yeah. if it feels appropriate. Yeah. Oh, there are just so many different contradictions being you are loved exactly as you are. And you yeah. are, God knows the number of hairs on your head and you were created knitted together in your mother's womb and you were born with sin. And also, even if you accept Jesus into your heart, he will wash you clean, but you're still a sinner and you're still going to be bad and you're still going to feel filthy. And so the idea that my wounds were the cause of my filth, um, just you can't ever heal from that. You know, you kind of just go, wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to be healed. When does that happen? So they never teach you in the church to listen to yourself. They never teach you to connect with your emotion. In fact, my pastor said stuff like, um, and he was a great guy. He was, he, he's doing what he believes to be his truth and right. And that's fine for him. But for example, you know, we can go into nature and we can feel healed. You know, we can be in a space where the earth and the ground can receive things that we don't know what to do with. And it will give back to us because we are created. We're all part of the same thing together. But he would say things like trees don't feel, whereas it's scientifically proven. Actually, trees do feel. I mean, there's scientific proof that they speak to each other. Mm. Um, but just things were like if you mm. but that people would say things like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't trust my feeling on that. And that I just went to the word and did what the word said, whereas you you can't. So wait a minute, you were being actively encouraged to not listen to your own intuition and knowing Yes, in most cases. Yes. Yes. In fact, I think they okay. used a Bible verse. I don't know what it is right now. I mean, I could tell you, but like, you know, don't listen to your feeling, but all that does is create like this sense of, yes, I'm not safe within my own body. And there's such a difference, like everything has to come from from God who is outside of you, but inside of you, you know, like there's so much contradiction. So eventually mm. what happened was I just saw so much contradiction and I started to like, I, I was big into prayer. I, I started to pray like, I don't even know who Jesus is. Jesus is supposed to be my friend and he's supposed to live in my heart and he's supposed to be guiding my every move. So I started praying to Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, who are you? Like, if I'm supposed to know you, know you, I how do I know you? And it's funny because I started, I found, I discovered this podcast. So first of all, I'm just coming back to permission here, Samantha, because for me to, I had to give myself so much permission to just explore other views yeah. outside of this particular thought of Christianity. And and you started exploring that when after it started not feeling right, you started exploring some other ideas at some point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I came across this. So I, I can't remember what I was searching, but I came across this YouTube channel called God is Great. It's different now. I don't, I don't know what it's called anymore, but it was called God is Great. And the first one that I watched had to do with, it was all about um, being like how the church 
does not accept people who are gay and that that is so not love and just all of that. And she was just unraveling it. And it was so beautiful. And I didn't know why, but I started to cry. Mm. And I, like, I didn't understand why. But part of it was because now reflecting, I know it was because I had closed off my sexual self. Like literally, if you think about another person besides your spouse, that's having an affair. That's a sin. And so I was completely shutting down my sexual self and trying to isolate that part of me or even cast, not necessarily cast it out. The only acceptable sex was pleasing my husband. That was the only thing that was truly acceptable. So I tried to narrow my vision to only focus on that for that to be the only acceptable thing. And I should be able to explode in that realm, right? It's only one, it's only one job. Got one job, you know, (laughs) focus on him and sex should be great. So, and I know a lot of people in Christianity really struggle with this because you're told your whole life sex should not even be thought about until you're married. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to just get it and yeah, and figure it all out. And so, and there's just so much shame wrapped around it, right? Mm-hmm. So I I just started to cry when I watched this video. And I realized now it was because I had completely shut myself out, shut myself down, was not allowed to explore that part of me. I didn't have permission. So I started to give myself permission, girl. And I started to like learn about sexual healing. And I started out using only Christian biblical leaders who actually Mm. talked about it. This one woman, oh girl, she was crazy. She started talking about orgasm is a God experience. (laughs) Like what? Like how, how can you even say that word orgasm, you know? So, wow, we are really talking about sex right now. I didn't know it was all going to go to this right no it's awesome it's all I I knew that I knew that it was going to go to wherever it was going to go it's all good um but it's very much related to this topic of you know permission I mean yeah I I love it I'm 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 here for it okay okay good (laughs) well so I really started to explore all these different avenues I started listening to different podcasts I started watching different shows on Netflix that were talking about like you know, just different sexual expression and stuff. And I joined a Zoom group of women who talked about, used movement and body and journal, journaling to remove the shame, to heal the wounds. And the ways that we do that are peeling into our bodies, you know, recognizing what triggers us and going to that place when we feel our nervous system giving us a fight, flight, freeze response and allowing ourselves to feel, don't try to escape, just be, move through the discomfort and then respond with love, like nurture. And this is where I do a lot of shadow work. Mm. I love shadow work because I identify Hmm, that was weird. I really responded with a fight response there. I have so many fight responses. 
I really responded with a fight response there. Why? And then I can sit with that and just feel into it. How old does that person part of me feel? And I have a lot of six and eight and 14 year olds in me. <laughs> and so, um, okay, well, what does she need to feel safe? <laughs> and so, and now as a 47 year old woman, I'm an adult, I can give her what she needs, you know, and nurture her instead of casting that baby girl out. Mm-hmm. I don't want to cast her out. I want to love that little girl. Yeah, it's it's so intense. I mean, it's interesting. There's so many paradigms here that we're talking about and topics. But one thing that I think is really important, and I'm confused, to me, the fact that we can feel is a superpower. I mean, our feelings drive human action and get shit done. Like our feelings drive reproduction. Our feelings is, is a part of who we are. So I'm confused about why anyone would try to separate us from them and what that agenda might be when it comes to this topic. What do you think? Yeah, I've wondered that too. And I think it does have to do with control. So women are just, you know, have been burned at the stake for their sexual expressions, which is healing. And they are the givers of life. And like you said, to be a giver of life is emotional. And the experience of receiving life Mm -hmm. is emotional. And I think there's so much healing in it that if we can control, if we can make people constantly feel uncomfortable with themselves, it's easy to control them because that's, I mean, Mm. we all, we all have wounding throughout our life. And if I tell you, I can help you with your wounding by shutting parts of you down and cutting those parts you mean, you mean all of the sexual shame that I've felt my entire life since I was, you know, five or six years old and experienced my first sexual trauma? Like, you mean that you can just get that out of me? Yes, I'll do whatever you say. Like, get this shame out of me. And we can do that by memorizing mm-hmm. things. It's all up in the head. You know, it's memorizing things and um, restricting yourself and following rules and also we are i was i've I've always been afraid of rejection i think um that you know since like we were it's safer to be in groups like keep people times if you were in a group you were going to survive if you were not you couldn't also babies Mm -hmm. need to be held and they need Mm -hmm. attachment to live so we need attachment and if we can, we have mm-hmm. this also just this need to create other, because if we can create other, then we know who we're with. So I'm willing to memorize the things. I'm willing to say what you want and do what mm. you want so I can be a part of, so I can be a part of your group. So you'll say that I'm good and you'll appreciate me and you'll, you'll find good things in me. Although mm-hmm. you're going to also tell me to keep quiet and I will keep quiet because I already feel ashamed and I already know I'm bad. And so then Mm -hmm. you can control, you can control people that way. And by Mm -hmm. keeping you in a state of, of, of shame, Mm -hmm. 
and insecurity and doubt about your own self. I mean, to me, when we have a connection with our inner knowing and however that is for us, that is a connection with our source, whatever you want to call it, with God, with spirit, right? To me, they're not separate. So again, I think that it gets confusing because what's what's a pattern or a habit or a wound versus an actual intuition? So then that gets complex. But I do feel um, something else that came up when you were talking is... So it's, you kind of make it sound like they want to almost provide this like sense of, well, first of all, a sense of belonging and a sense of control through sort of almost stripping you of your own knowing um, or of your own autonomy. And by not having to feel, we're going to cleanse your wounds so you don't have to deal with them and feel them. To me, that is similar to an addiction in that the reason that, I feel addiction is complex, but the reason that anyone is addicted to anything is because we're trying to numb a feeling because we as a culture don't know how to feel our feelings. We don't know how to live into them or process them. We want to either get rid of them or if we do feel our feelings, they overcome us and run our lives and we become the feeling. So there's not this middle ground. And to me, when you were talking, what hit me is that it's almost similar to an addiction in that it's promising community and love and support. And then you don't have to feel shame about wounds that you might have because they'll just magically take them away. I think a lot of people go, yes, go there and they all have these wounds and they're all hoping that they're going to be magically taken away. And then what they end up doing is displacing their wounds on you out of this, under this guise that they're providing security and safety, right? I'll just give you an example. I posted something on Facebook. This was after the Super Bowl when Jayla was on and she was on like a stripper pole and a ton of people like reached out to me and they're like, will you respond to this? And my response included saying, loved the costumes, embrace your dance, embrace who you are. This is beautiful. And I quoted something about my Angelo and the diamonds between your legs and, you know, said some stuff. I got called into the office. I'm not kidding. Like my, yeah, my pastor called me in and the elder, one of the elders and his wife had to have a talk with me. And the, the pastor said, no, we had all of the elders at the church read this and none of us understood it. And I was like, None of them. First of all, there's only one female elder, but apparently she didn't understand it either. Or was she too closed off from her own body to admit it? Was she like, does she really have a voice to talk about her vagina? Hell no, not in front of a bunch of men. But so wait a minute. This is what's appalling to me. The church called you into the office. Yeah. Like you're getting scolded. I did get scolded and I got questioned. Wow. And it was questioned if I had prayed before I had posted it, it was questioned. My relationship with God was questioned. And because I was a, a like a kind of a leader in the church, because I had this ministry, um, they want, they had to talk me through that. They had to prove that, that that wasn't okay. But here's the thing. I feel love and compassion for the woman, the, the elder's wife that talked to me 
he and his wife talked to me, but she was the one who led the conversation. She was speaking to me out of such wounding. She was speaking to me out of such pain. She clearly had not healed from her wounding. Her only language to speak about her own sexual wounding was judgment. There wasn't another language Mm. for it. She had never been taught to turn in and love and reclaim the beautiful essence that comes within your womb and connection to your vulva. I mean, for me, that connection is truly who I am. It's where I get to finally experience the most beautiful part of me. And and I call it expression. I call it charity. I call it healing. And the church or culture society calls it what? Masturbation. I mean, it's like the most like cold Mm -hmm. word you can possibly put to the most beautiful expression of yourself. And... There's no permission mm-hmm. to explore that part of yourself and all of, and it, and it has to do also like sex aside, it has to do with permission to feel like you don't, and you don't need permission mm-hmm. to explain to somebody why you feel discomfort, uncomfortable and need to leave a situation. I was thrifting with my daughter the other day. We love thrifting and we walked into a new thrift shop and we walked down in the basement and we were the only people down there. She got to the door and she said, I don't like this. This doesn't feel right. And I walked in and I'm like, do, 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 let me look around. And she's like, mom, it doesn't feel right. And I said, oh, okay, good for you. Thank you for saying that. And she doesn't need to explain. She doesn't need to tell me why she feels that way. What's important is that she expresses herself because that she Mm -hmm. honors her own Mm -hmm. feeling. There's a difference between an intuitive discomfort and if I'm reacting to uh, a wound. So let's say I'm triggered because, um, because of many experiences that I had maybe working in a strip club or something, I had a hard time walking down the street and I live in like the most like peaceful, quiet neighborhood I've ever lived in. And I'm walking down the street. I used to feel triggered when a man would be walking down the street coming my way. I would have to start thinking in my head like, okay, where's my out? Where do I run? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do I have any kind of weapon on me? Do I have something I can fight with? Where's my cell phone? Got to make sure it's got a good, you know, connection. Mm -hmm. That is a trigger based on some sort of neural pathway of a wound that I experienced. That is not the same. That also comes with shame and regret and fear and all of these things. Mm-hmm. That is not the same as the feeling of mm, something don't feel right here. I think I need to get out of this situation. Well, I think the difference is, is the more in tune we get with our own nervous system, we know those times where we're in fight or flight and a little bit triggered versus where it's um, we're in a calm state where it's just a gut intuition and, a, and an instant knowing. If we get yes. the more we get in tune with our bodies. Right. So we can sense that. And like with your daughter, I, I love that you're saying that because I think that the I think that the permission thing too, it does have a lot to do with like the culture that we experience as women in general of people pleasing, that we also have to be kind and please other people and and we need permission. You know, I think it's awesome that you're letting your daughter just tell you that she's uncomfortable and not needing an explanation. 
and not needing, you know, like for her own mm-hmm. autonomy and her own feeling. And I guess I'm just curious about, is there ever a time in your life where you felt like permission was good? Like, can it be a good thing too? Because we're talking about the flip side of it and sort of the oppressiveness that permission can have and some of the issues around permission. But what about, is there ever a time where permission is good or where you could see it being a good thing? Well, I think, you know, a lot of the time we look to other people for permission and sometimes we need community, we need people to encourage us and to give us permission to take risks and to step out of our comfort zone. But sometimes, but at some point we've got to recognize we can give ourselves that permission. Mm -hmm. And I would say that definitely recently in my life, I, uh, and this was part of my healing, like leaving the church and stuff has been permission to really love myself or permission to follow my own passions, permission to be alone, permission to step away from Mm. what other people are expecting of me, even if it makes them uncomfortable, you know, and just asking for what I need Mm -hmm. and, and, but I don't even know what I need yet until I sit with myself. I think when we choose ourselves, Mm -hmm. when we honor ourselves, it's uncomfortable. And it is like for, I would much rather like even to do this podcast, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to call my sister last night and be like, this is what I think we're going to talk about. Like, is this okay? I really wanted her permission, (laughs) but I didn't do it. Yeah. Mm, And why, just curious why your sister what do you see your sister, what, what role do you see your sister is playing in that? Just curious. Yes. Well, she, um, loves me unconditionally and she's seen (laughs) me through everything. Yes. And she's seen me through everything. She's going to encourage me, but I knew she was going to say whatever was okay. And I didn't want it to come from her. I knew it had to come from me. I knew I had to give myself the okay, because I think when we know what we want, we have to like, we have to empower ourselves and liberate ourselves. And anytime we say yes to something that we really want, we are going to come up against all of the thoughts that have kept us from doing it before. All of the things that people Mm -hmm. have said to us to keep us from doing it. You know, when I used to make aprons, I, every time I sew, I was dual, it was dual love, hate relationship because every time I sewed, I thought about the woman that taught me how to sew Donna Conrad from Mm -hmm. SESU. Shout out to Donna if she's. Yes. She passed away. (laughs) That's okay. But I mean, mean, if she's here in spirit, (laughs) shout out to Donna. (laughs) No, always. Right. And I would, I would think about her every time and think about the things that she taught me and think about how beautiful it was that I learned this skill and how much joy it gave me while I would also think in my mind about how my grandma told me no one was ever going to teach me how to sew and no one, no one would ever take the time to teach me how to sew. And so it was like, Oh, uh, I'm a failure at this, but here's a voice that's given me permission and taught me how to do something good in just that Mm. whenever we do something that we know is truly we're passionate about, we're going to meet our own greatest fears in that. 
But every time we meet it, it's a growing pains and it's an opportunity mm -hmm. for us to show ourselves that we're capable of doing, of doing more. But I think when we really tune in and we really allow ourselves permission, because we know the things that we don't, that we hold ourselves back from, we know those things. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we say yes to them, we experience that feeling of joy. We experience, experience like a bursting of life within us. And mm -hmm. we have to run after it. We have to chase it. And we have to prove to ourselves that we are growing when we face, as those fears are coming up. Yeah. Gosh, this is such, I mean, we could talk so long about this topic because I feel like this topic inherently has so many side topics. You know what I mean? Like it's really connected to so much about our lives and our conditioning. And I know you touched on it a little bit, Tristy, but I'm curious, what were the things in your journey that have helped you the most to give you permission? Like, was that something was it just like this strong innate knowing inside of you that ultimately would win every time something felt wrong or was it your, is it your connection with your, with God and source, despite, you know, any church Were there things like, it sounds like writing might be something really powerful for you. That's helped you even just for you to think, or any of us to think that there's a possibility that we can do something or give ourselves permission, what has helped you the most to kind of come more into contact with that part of yourself? I would say writing was definitely a catalyst for me because within writing, I do have this space and it's just me in the page. And I, it gives me permission again to, tell my story from my perspective or explain mm. my emotions from my true self without judgment around, without someone telling me, no, that's not how it goes or that's not what it means or that's not what it meant. I get to speak my own authentic voice. So writing for sure. Also just connecting with my body, learning all the different ways that I can mm. tap into, um, uh, breathing and movement and uh, bring myself back into a space where I'm comfortable and safe within myself. And then also a kick-ass therapist and probably a kick-ass life coach mm -hmm. who like can see you from the outside and you know has your back and will push you a little bit out of your comfort zone and help you find ways to like hear what you're saying. I think all of those things are really important. And I think mm. that like, yeah, I think that it's taking time to really listen and feel and then put words to what you're experiencing. So if someone right now is, let's say, there's a couple different ways that this could present itself, but let's say someone right now is wanting to do something or be a different person, but they feel sort of stuck or stagnant in their life by their circumstances. What would you say to someone that was you a few years ago, maybe struggling to give permission? Like, what would you say to someone or suggest to someone that would be in that position where they're just really in that habit of like people pleasing and not listening to their, themselves? Would there be any advice or wisdom or suggestions? 
So I want to say this is an onion. And mm-hmm. while I'm, I'm learning permission, but it comes with, you know, you know, the next step, you only need to know the next step. You don't know what the outcome will be. You don't know how this is going to turn out to really meet yourself. Just listen, you know, the next step and just take that one next baby step. And that's going to be different Mm -hmm. for everyone because they might need, maybe they need a community. Maybe they need a church. I don't know. Maybe they need to just uh, take an exercise class or yoga class, or maybe they need to start singing. Maybe they need to get back into them, their creative self. You know, you are an amazing painter. Your paintings have so much expression I'm sure it took you a great deal of courage to give yourself permission to start picking that paintbrush up again and then to share it with other people because you don't know if people are going to see what your Mm -hmm. intention is. But that's not really where the growth happens Mm -hmm. in the what other people are going to say or do. It's the first step. Totally. Thank you. Yeah. And in regards to the painting, what's interesting about that is I really didn't think that I could paint or I had never really tried. And I'd felt, I felt creative in other ways, you know, like I do the arts and crafts or, you know, I do certain things that felt creative. Like I've always felt creative, like being in theater is creative. Like I feel like a creative person, but what was interesting is when I was in nursing school and in nursing school, you're using a lot of the left side of your brain. It's a lot of studying, a lot of, long hours of studying, like, you know, 10, 12 hour days, sometimes cramming for a test. And what's interesting Mm. is I just decided I had kind of been having some visuals, I guess I would call them just in my daydreams or in my dreams. And I thought to myself, it would be really cool if I could get this onto a canvas because I'm having all these wonderful images come across. So one day I just decided that I was going to go get canvas and paint. I I really like honestly was like, this is going to be like um, a 12 year old finger painting or something. And what's awesome is I ended up just painting (laughs) without an agenda and without any expectation. And it was really fantastic. It was sort of just like an emotional release. And it was really balancing because painting is major uh, predominantly a right brain activity So actually in that moment, it felt really balanced for me to be doing such a rigorous academic program and then learning to paint. And so it's interesting. Um, Thank you so much for saying that, by the way. I appreciate it. But that is, yeah, it was interesting and kind of scary to show people because, right, like we then get into the like judgment and comparison thing of like, well, art is supposed to look this way. This is the way that sexuality is supposed to be. This is how I'm supposed to be as a person who lives in the suburbs. This is like X, Y, Z. You know, we have these paradigms that we think that we need to live into. And I don't think that necessarily equates happiness, though, if it's not in alignment when we're doing those things. I would agree. And to be also in relationship with someone like as I'm a wife and I'm a mom and I have to fit these expectations. My husband has expectations of me. 
Mm -hmm. children have expectations of me. And sometimes I let what they think of me drive how I act. Mm. That's something that I'm really undoing right now too, because like I said, I was, I've really been, I've been drawn into people and situations that will tell me how to feel, tell me how to tell me what's right or wrong. And I'm realizing now that like, because I've always been like a, I was just recently diagnosed with ADHD. I was always told I was too much asking for too mm. much attention, speak, I talk too much. And I realize now, actually, no, I'm not too much. You just have a different level of expectation of what you want mm-hmm. as a partner, mm-hmm. what you want, maybe as a mom, although my kids aren't very judgmental, but like, they still have expectations of me. Whereas now mm. I'm like, I've never been too much. I've never been and mm. you know there have been times where I've wounded other people but guess what I don't have to live in shame about that because I knew it mm-hmm. and I learned and I course corrected and I don't mm. behave in ways that are intentionally yeah. harmful for people to pe- people and so we just have to yes I love what you said like where we get caught up in judgment or expectations well I love what you're saying. And and I think this is sometimes at the core of something that I see as um, a major difference about how people see the world and operate in it. And, and it's this, it's if we aren't really proactive about defining and claiming and living from commanding from our internal flow, then the outside world will hijack us and tell us who to be and what they want. And they will leave the outside world. If you do not, if you're, if we're not proactive as humans, this is women and men, this happens to humans. The outside world will tell you what they need and how to be. And you will be a shell of a person. If you don't start learning that you need boundaries and you need to, you know, everyone has their own journey. So I don't want to tell people what they need to do, but from my experience, if we don't actively claim who we are, we will be left feeling less than by the outside world. And I know that there's certainly times where all the roles that we have in life, we have to compromise. Like we have to go to our jobs. Sometimes we have to like show up to functions that maybe we don't want to show up. But if we can start more of the time being in touch with that center, I mean, even things like, and and I did a podcast on this earlier, but about just like, if we can wake up in the morning and just tune into ourselves first and tune into spirit first and tune into ourselves rather than tuning into everyone else in the outside world, we're going to set our day up for more flow and success so that we can be of service and we can give to others more graciously. And I'm really passionate about that paradigm because so many women, I think, I think women are waking up and I think people are waking up, but so many people that I've talked to are still living with that paradigm that they have to like be this thing for everybody and cater to everybody else. And then they forget about themselves. Right. And I think as women in our culture right now, and especially with, with what's happening in Iran, which is a whole separate podcast, I think that, that what is happening in Iran ran is like a critical mass tipping point Mm -hmm. for our consciousness as a whole to start moving into new ways of doing things that work better for everybody and for humanity really. Yeah. And I think there have been waves and waves of this throughout time, you know, where 
where we do embody and embrace and we have these, you know, renaissances of expression where people really are given agency to be who they're they're who they are and express their true selves and then there's always resistance right and then there's always fighting back because there's this fear and Mm. people with uncertainty and wounds who who like we have to be able to teach each other how to embrace those things so that then when they feel that discomfort they can nurture themselves otherwise all I can do is press my wounding back onto you because your freedom triggers the fact Mm -hmm. somewhere in me that I can't authentically be myself. So I'm going to put onto you what I was told when I was first authentic and I was shut down. You know, I heard this really cool thing today Mm -hmm. on an audio book and it was there that this is just an interesting thought. There's no subconscious mind. There's only body. Yes. I've never yes. heard that before. I get I thought it. That was so cool that our body, our feeling, our expression within ourselves is what's trying to speak to us, to befriend us. Our, yeah. Our body is our subconscious mind. Yeah. People think it's in the mind. I know when I learned that, it blew my yeah. mind. <laughs> <laughs> because it's body, mind, mm-hmm. spirit, everything is connected, right? We're, they're mm-hmm. all, it's all in communication all the time. It's not like we want to separate things as humans. We want to separate everything and everybody, but it, it, there's really, here's a fun fact. Mm-hmm. Our human eyes can only perceive three dimensions. There are more dimensions out there, but our human eyes haven't developed the senses yet for most of us to actually be able to perceive it. And it reminds me of the story of, I might get it wrong, but I think it was when Christopher Columbus pulled up and the natives had never seen a ship like a pirate ship and a shaman of the village sensed that someone was there, but they couldn't physically see it with their eyes because they didn't have an experience in their brain yet at that point. And I think I might've mentioned this before. They didn't have that experience in their brains to actually visually see the ship, right? So they couldn't perceive it. Yes, they couldn't perceive it. This is why we, when we feel into our bodies, we learn, we can create those new neural pathways and like new, learn new expression and learn new things about ourselves even. Yeah. You know, another thing I want to bring up and you mentioned it earlier and I actually loved that you brought it up, um, but it's that we also, I think, have an expectation that in life, if something like happens that's resistant or that's, I would call it contrast, that it's like bad or that it's not supposed to happen or that something's gone wrong. And I have in my own life and when I coach, I try to point out that when we actually acknowledge that nothing's gone wrong and that we need contrast, as you mentioned earlier, to grow, that it's all for learning And that if we can remember in the moments to try to embrace it, even if it's ugly, even if it's hard, even if it's like the worst thing that's happened to us. Mm -hmm. And the metaphor that I like to give is in sports, like if you're watching any sports game, there's an offense and a defense. 
And how boring would it be if you were watching a football game and there was no defense? I mean, what, you're just going to watch people run the ball. I mean, there's no challenge. There's no contrast. So what's the point, right? Like, we're like in this game of life where we need to bump into each other and bump into things, unfortunately or fortunately, in order to learn and grow and evolve like we're supposed to when we're here and learn what we're supposed to learn. So I love yeah. that you pointed that out in, in not the same words earlier in the podcast. I just wanted to highlight that wisdom from earlier. I, I love that. We, I used to, cause I used to teach theater and we would use that example when we, we here's like middle schoolers, right? Like seventh and eighth graders. And I'm trying to get them to do improv And so we would do this, you know, say yes to the scene. Because what if it's like, okay, we're in a scene together and I come up to you and I say to you like, hey, Samantha, go clean your room. And you just go, okay. Right. I mean, there's no conflict. There's no movement. There's no shift. There's nothing to learn. Right. Right. So like you encourage the students to like, you in improv, the rule is what you have to yes and, but you have to play into the story too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. just having that conflict isn't. I think that our sometimes our conditioned response is that it's bad or that we failed or that we feel horrible about it, which is okay. But just remembering that, like, nothing's gone wrong and that life isn't always easy and that there's going to be challenges. Mm -hmm. And obviously we all know that if we've lived on this planet earth, but I think that our responses can change, you know, our perceptions can change. Yes. So I guess. Are you hearing um, my dog bark right now? I can. That's okay. We love our four legged friends. My dog just happens to not be barking. So (laughs) I guess I'm wondering about, okay, so moving forward, I know you're, Like we're all, this is another point. I want to say it's really awesome that you came on here and you know, you were, you're still in the process of in this particular journey. It's not like you've completed it. And I want to speak to that because I think we're always, we've never arrived in every single area of our life. There's always something that we're working on. Maybe we're good in one area in the moment and something feels solid, but there's always places where we're always arriving. So I just want to thank you for coming on. First of all, being like, mid-arrival to this journey that you're on and I'm just curious though um how do you do you have any plans moving forward or do you see how that you might incorporate this experience um to serve others if at all or is that still like a big question mark as you kind of work through stuff and let things get uncovered yeah so I I loved being invited into this conversation. And honestly, I used to do a ton of speaking and leading and stuff when I was in the church. And I haven't done anything in a while because that message no longer, uh, well, I would say the, the funnel through which I was sharing a message has changed. Uh, the message has always been the mm-hmm. same, which is that you are beautiful and you are loved. And I couldn't completely grasp it at the time, but now I am learning that I truly am beautiful and loved. I'm learning what that means for me. And that's been through word writing and writing and body movement. And I'm just going to say too, if 
someone did happen to read my memoir, it would be very Christian-y in the end. Well, it's not. It's not super Christian-y. I didn't want it to be super Christian-y, but you can see that people change. It's okay to change. It's okay to rewrite your story at any stage in your life. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Girl, that. Like, just to give yourself permission to almost change or not necessarily be wrong, quote unquote, but to allow yourself the opportunity to think something different next week or next month Mm -hmm. and reserve that right. Yes. Yes. I love it. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. And so I actually am going to be leading a workshop or writing workshop. And it's not until January. It'll be January 11th, one eleven, And that's a Wednesday. So it'll be in the evening. And it's Ooh, called okay. Write, Body, Heal. And it'll just be me guiding um, with some guiding journal entries, as well as some leading some movement activities so that you okay. can really embrace and meet other layers of your inner healer. It will include, um, so like you said in the beginning, I love writing journals. I love creating journals. It will include a downloadable journal. Although I personally love having a paper journal just bound for me. So I might also make that an option somehow, but um, where you can just like get a a bound journal instead. But um, for sure, there will be a a downloadable journal that will go with it. And um, so that is what I'm going to be doing soon. I'm really excited to be able to share the things that have helped me. Yeah, of course. And that's all we can do. I mean, someone else may arrive to the same answers with different modalities and through a different journey, but it's like just speaking from your experience is really powerful. I'm wondering how people can get a hold of you. I think you said mainly you're on Facebook and I can, I'll, um, I'll include a link to your Facebook page and, and the event page uh, in the show notes. But for anyone that's interested, they can get a hold yeah. of Chirsty and it's Chirsty Borer on Facebook. And you're not too much on the Instagram, right? Mostly on the Facebook. Right. I mean, like I go on Instagram, but I forget that you can send messages on there. So <laughs> the best way if somebody wanted to message me would definitely be through Facebook Messenger. And thankfully, you will have my name spelled in there because it's, you know, not exactly how it sounds. Awesome. And if someone wants to read your book, it's called My Flawless One. Yeah. That's your memoir? Yes. And you can get it on Amazon and you can get all the dirt, all the the details. uh, But just know, again, rewriting the story, rewriting, (laughs) still growing. For sure. Yeah. I love it. So one thing I wanted to address, and I'm just imagining a listener who, again, this is my podcast and this is your story. So I, I'm honoring that for sure. But I'm imagining a listener who maybe is a part of a church, even if it's not the evangelical church. And I just want to clarify that I know, and I don't want to speak for Tristy, so I'll let her answer. But for me, I want to be clear that I think it's the important point about this. It's not necessarily about a church it's about what resonates with you and what feels like it lets you be more of you and uplifts and supports that part of you and all parts of you. And if that's a church for you, that's awesome. But 
again, with Tristy's experience for her, that felt at some point, it felt almost oppressive is what I'm gathering. But I just want to be clear that I'm not saying I'm not hating on the church or hating on anybody who feels like they resonate with their beliefs. And and I want to hold space for that too. And I know Tristy and I'm pretty sure that she feels the same way. And so Tristy, do you want to speak to that? I do. Yes. Thank you. This was just my experience. Okay. I was drawn to a church body because of the way my heart opened when I did experience that reading the Bible and um, reaching out in prayer to Jesus. And so I 100% know that that relationship and that connection and that experience is authentic for people who experience it. And uh, if it brings like exactly what you said, Sam, if it brings you more authentically to yourself and it brings you to those places of building you up, it a hundred percent, like that's a, that's the point. That's the, that's the hope. And I know a lot of people yeah. who actually mm-hmm. like thrive in the church and love their, their church body and their community. And this was just, I, I will say this. And and this might change next week for me too, but I know that I was (laughs) also susceptible to a particular group that would take on a parental right and wrong role for me because I needed that, I think, in my life in order to feel affirmed. I recognize now and and pouring myself into it now, I recognize I'm the one who affirms me. Can I ask, I know we're, we're a little bit over time, but just curious about, we never really talked about this as much. We touched on it, but you know, I know you to be a very spiritually connected person and I knew you better when we were in college and I know you've evolved in a lot of ways we both have, but how would you describe your connection with source or God or spirit now? Like, just briefly, because I know that that is really strong for you. It's not like you're disowning that there is something out there that you connect with or that connects us all. I actually am not sure right now. It is a very interesting space to be in right now because I don't have, um, I think I feel very comfortable saying I don't know. And that I've never felt comfortable saying that before. I know that my journey, what I struggled with so much was, especially while I was in church, I would pray and I would pray, Why? what, what is God telling me and, and how do I listen? And I'm not listening well enough. I must be doing something wrong and I can't connect. It was such a pleading experience a lot of the time. Sometimes it was a beautiful experience, but there was so much pleading that I came to this understanding that like what I'm looking for is within me. It's not an outward source. It's not a man, a white guy in the sky. It's not even a white guy that looks like Jesus with blonde hair because Jesus mm-hmm. was not white. And like, it's not what the church is telling me. Right. I, and I've known that all along, but it's only now that I am actually allowing myself to realize I am a true participant in my spiritual journey, I don't know, in my healing, in my connection, that 
who, who do I need to ask permission of? Me. It's not God. It's not the church. It's not something outside of me. How do I feel about this decision? What do I want right. out of this? That's where this, that journey from the church brought me. And I, I'll say this, some people in the church are going to say that that's blasphemous, but like, for me, that was God's teaching for me, was that true inner connection and that I am valuable and worthy. My mm. sense of myself and my sense of direction in my life is from me. Yep. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on today and just really speaking your truth, being so honest, so vulnerable, and so in your power. And thank you so much. I just, I really appreciate you and the energy that you have brought to my life and that you're, you're bringing to this show right now. And my hope is that if someone's listening, that something that we've said really resonates and, and helps you somehow. And if you want to find Chirsty, you can read her memoir, a flawless one, but keep in mind she's a different person now, but still some pretty amazing mm -hmm. um, stories about her journey in there. And then if you want to heal with Chirsty through the word and through feeling into your body somatically more, Chirsty is going to be leading a writing workshop that's going to start on January 11th. And you can get a hold of her on Facebook at Chirsty Bohr, and I'll put her name in the link to that event in the show notes. And then you can stay in contact with her for upcoming events and things that she might be a part of. So Chirsty, thank you again. Any last words? Just so I love talking to you and I love that our lives have continued to, like you said, weave us together. And I just truly, every time we get to have a conversation I feel clearer in who I am and I get excited and like giddy in my body. So I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. I'm so honored to be on your show because you're such a badass. I love you. <laughs> Thank you. You are too. Likewise, back at you. Thanks so much, Tristy. And I'll talk to you all really soon. Thanks again. And hey, I also want to invite you to join me for my six-month coaching program. I'll work with just you one-on-one, -on -one, and I'm going to help you get the results that I know you can get. I promise your life will be different. Go to www.rebelheartcoaching.com to sign up for a consult today. I'll see you inside.